Hey everyone, welcome back to Let's Talk Property Podcast, episode 12. Today we have an amazing guest who goes by the name of Clarence. He is a financial professional with extensive experience in the financial industry, covering banking, mortgages and regulation. Clarence started his platform, CK Talks Money, to fill the knowledge gaps in his society and also to help people grow. So if you want to find out any more information about him, make sure you check out his Instagram page, CK Talks Money on Instagram and also on Twitter. So follow up and I hope you enjoy this episode. So if you could just start with a little bit about yourself and your journey as a qualified mortgage advisor. Yeah, definitely. So my name is Clarence or CK from CK Talks Money. And I've been in mortgages for about six years now, been in financial services for nine to 10 years. And um, the way I got into mortgages really is that I used to work in a bank. So I worked in retail and business banking. And when I kind of, you know, in a way got bored of it, I just thought to myself, what else can I do in the financial um, industry that I can, you know, learn different bits about? And I decided to do my CMAP do my exams and long and shorts and I became a mortgage advisor so yeah that's um pretty much how I did it really. Did you enjoy the process of becoming a mortgage advisor? Here and there the initial the initial transition was nice from banking to mortgages because it kind of like in a way felt like a self-promotion that I was giving myself of coming from one side to the other but I'm not a big um reader or reviser for example so the whole revising reading the books like oh it was long it was so long so yeah um, love and hate love hate relationship is what I'd probably say for that oh I feel like that that's like a lot of like learning in general I feel like we like the outcome of learning but the actual process of like reading doing the exams all of that no <laughs> yeah no exactly because the thing is that I, like, I got a job I got a job as a trainee mortgage advisor. Yeah. And as part of the role, the company that I joined would like pay for your exams. And then just to kind of put it out there for anyone listening, don't feel some type of way if you are doing your mortgage exams and you're struggling. One of the exams, I actually failed it twice before I finally passed it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was not easy. Because imagine like I'll be going to work during the day. I'm learning about the property market, learning about how mortgages work learning about the house buying process, the application process. And when I go home, it's not even like, okay, you can chill now. It's read the book. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like I had homework every day. Like imagine going to school or uni and you have assignments or homework every single day until you pass. Like it's long, (laughs) it's long, it's long. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm not even trying to scare anyone. I'm just saying, isn't it? Like, because I want to be honest, but for me, it wasn't Just hearing that is literally... Is made is giving me a headache just listening to you say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's giving me all that like deja vu from like when I was back in uni right. as well, and like even though we didn't have work to do every single day, like knowing that you had to do that every single yeah, day. It's long. Know. It's long, <laughs> but it's worth it. And I feel like what helps was the fact that where the role was a trainee mortgage advisor. Or bear in mind, and this this takes me back to two thousand fifteen. Like when I'm sat in the office we're talking about the house buying process and yeah you're just kind of you know getting hit with all this info but when you go read the book you're going to read certain things that when you read it it's like okay I hear that but I don't really get it yet but when you see it in practice so when I now sat with the mortgage consultant at the time and I'm watching him 
you know, I'm seeing his clients, I'm like, okay, this is what it means. So I feel as if with any type of learning, of course, it's good to understand the reading and that side of it, but it's also good to understand like, the practical side of things because that's sometimes where things come to reality and they become more real and easier to understand. Do you no. have like a specific type of client that you prefer? Like, do you prefer like first time buyers or do you prefer people that are like getting their second home? Yeah, to be honest, initially when I started, I didn't have a preference. It was just um, get it right. Yeah. <laughs> because when it comes to mortgages, there's a lot of um, regulation, there's things that we have to um, get signed, there's forms, there's, you know, declarations in terms of conditions we need to follow. So it's a lot. When you're starting, it's, it's a lot. But at the moment, if you're going to ask me that again, I'll probably say first-time buyers are my favourite. Um, purely from the point of view is that if anyone see my page, they'll know that I'm always trying to educate people. And first-time buyers, I feel as if they always need the most help and I can help them a lot more because I know what it feels like to know nothing about the process mm. and then learn it. So it's always nice to be able to teach them. And they're always very receptive. You know, it's it's nearly as if you're like it's, it's nearly as if, it's, it's like it's like teaching a child something and just holding their hand all the way through a process until they're you know mature enough to do it themselves. You know, it's literally just like that because if you can imagine, and this is one thing that I find a lot on my page is that I'll post things and I'll be like, oh yeah, this is this or whatever, and people hit me up and say, oh, but I didn't know that. Is yeah. that it? Like really? And I'll be like, how did you not know that? But then I remember that, of course, I know it because I'm in the industry. But it's not that simple for them because there's no reason why they would know this, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's, a, it's an like, interesting one. Um, the first time buyer process is it's quite daunting. I remember the first time I ever had to like go out my way to speak to a mortgage advisor. I was sitting there like, what the hell? I'm meant to talk to these guys about. <laughs> and um, are we touching on this actually <laughs> in like a different episode? But just to bring it up in this one as well, like um. Yeah. I remember when I sat down with my first ever mortgage advisor like appointment, um, the man was asking me, he was like, do you want like a two-year fixed term or a five-year fixed term? And I was like, for what? I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, he was like, oh, are you, do you want to be paying this same amount for five years? And I was like, I don't even know what I'm having for lunch tomorrow, let alone whether I want to be able Literally, to... Literally, five years, you know. <laughs> five years time, exactly. And I was like, you're asking me yeah. too much and it was making me feel quite like overwhelmed because I never expected him to ask me those yeah. questions because I didn't know that that's something that I had to think about but then I'm guessing from your point of view you just are like well why would you not know you have to think about that because that's what we offer but because it's not taught in school you're not taught um how yeah. about fixed terms about whether you want a fixed rate or a variable rate all of this um, it's just, it was a lot of like new terminology that was thrown at my face. And I was just sitting looking at the guy, like, are you trying to confuse me on purpose or what? Like, <laughs> like what are you on about? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel as if even stuff like that, like the, the details of the mortgage, like the repayment strategy and, you know, the, the, the term and the amount of years it's going to stretch on for that, those are even the finer details. And when you mentioned school, in school, you don't even hear the word mortgage. Not at all. You know what I mean? So even just the basics of what is a mortgage, like what, like, like what is it? We don't even get taught that. Exactly. You know, so to know anything else, there's no way that we're gonna know. It. And it's funny that um, I might as well mention. I don't think anyone else knows this, but like I'm actually starting up a program to actually teach this stuff in schools that because is amazing. I feel like 
Yeah, like I feel like it's something that we really need. I feel like it's something that is lacking. And I think I tweeted some time ago that um, we need to stop kind of talking about what we didn't get taught and start trying to figure out where we can find out what we need to mm-hmm. know. Because it's like, I feel as if we put so much onus on. First, I used to hear people say, oh, like, our parents didn't teach us this, our parents didn't teach us that. Okay, your parents didn't teach you, so what are you doing now to learn yeah, it? And now people are giving it the whole... Yeah, it just gets thrown around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now it's like, oh, yeah, but in schools they didn't teach us. All right, cool, we know that. We all know that. But now, what are we going to do to make sure that we know everything we need to know? And this is partly why CK Talks Money even exists, because it's just giving our information. Like I get DMs nearly every day saying oh, thank you so much, I really didn't know this. And this is literally it. So people that follow me, it's like they're intentionally looking for a way to educate themselves. And that's what we all need to be doing. Was that your reason for starting your platform, CK Talks Money? Yeah, most definitely. So for me, I I kind of thought to myself, I've got the knowledge. Like, CK Talks Money came late. This was supposed to happen like a year and a half ago. But life excuses and all sorts got in the way <laughs> and mm-hmm. one day I just said to myself I think it was like September October I just said to myself you know what yeah what am I waiting for like people are coming to me and asking me for advice on financial stuff anyway and this is just my immediate circle so why not set something up where I can provide a service to my community and other people who maybe I don't know personally and I can still be um, of help to them so yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm. much why I started, mainly to educate. Like it's literally like an ed- I literally see it as an educational service, you know. What sort of questions do you get coming your way the most? All sorts. In terms of if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about property, the one I used to get a lot, yeah, and I used to think it was a joke until I realised that a lot of people <laughs> didn't actually know this. Yeah, a lot of people used to ask me, "Oh, like how can I get a mortgage with no deposit?" And I was like, "What?" People always want to look like, for the easy way out, though, and... Yeah, you know what I mean, like... <laughs> I, I get that question a lot on my page as well. It's like, okay, so how do I invest in property with, like, no money or, like, just, like, a little little bit of money? Yeah. I'm just like, well, it's an investment. The purpose of an investment is to actually invest yeah. some money into it for then it to give you money Literally. at the end. Like, you need to put some exactly. money down. Exactly. And one thing I hate to hear is when people talk about all, all these, like, no money down schemes. Well, people did put some money uh, down. Like, they, they did. They put some money yeah, down, but don't yeah. get fooled by that. Because I remember I used to get so agitated by that. Anything that was, like, no money down, I'll pick it up straight away. I'll be like, yep, yep, yep. And then yeah. when I'm reading into it, and I'm yeah. just so like, but he just said he bought this, but he just said he bought that, but he just said he used this much. Yeah. And I'm like, no. So, guys, take that out of your head. Like, everything, like, to do with property, we'll you need a deposit. <laughs> everything. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. And another one I used to get is, um, oh, can I get a mortgage about, um, about a credit search? And I remember one time, it was actually one of my friends that asked me this, and I was like, bro, <laughs> why do you think a bank will give you, let's just say you, 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 big you, 250 grand without verifying in any way, shape or form if you can afford to pay back or not. Would you do that? And he was like, you know what, that's a point. And I was like, this is what I'm saying, bro. It's like, a business. These questions need to... Be... Yeah, it's a business. Like They're here to make money. They're not here to make your dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> they're here to 
you know, actually make money from putting you in debt. So there's no way they're going to do it about a credit score. You might get banks that will do credit searches and, you know, be a bit more lenient if you have bad credit, but you are going to be credit searched, you know? So those are the two main questions that I get. Enough, in fact, sorry, another one that I get, which I never actually answer is, do you think properties are going to go up or down? Yeah. People and, are really relying on answers. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not a predictor. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You, yeah. When is lockdown going to end? That, that's the response I'm going to come back with now. Oh, my days. Yeah, literally. We don't know. Literally. For all we know, we could carry on for the next five don't years. Know. Like, this is a, a virus that we, we can't know, control. Yeah. Like, we can't, like, as, even though we give information, I can't control, like, yeah. what happens to the property market. I have no idea. Exactly. Like, absolutely exactly. no idea. But touching on what you said about um, like a lot of people coming to you about like credit scores and stuff like that, do you have any yeah. um, tips for people that actually want to own their own house and want to get a mortgage but actually yeah. have poor credit at the moment? Got you. Yeah, no, for people who have poor credit, the first thing I'll immediately say, immediately say is find out why it's poor, what's wrong with it, what's what's the reason for it being low, because um, the, it's not just going to be low for no reason, it might be a mispayment, it might even be something on there that's incorrect, that's making your credit score lower, it might be how much of your credit card you're using, so there could be so many different reasons, so actually look at your credit file properly and figure out why it's low, if you're having issues with it, feel free to hit me up, I, I do provide a service where I actually review people's credit reports for them and you know give them advice on how they can increase it that's the first thing that i would say and the second thing i'll say is just make sure that you are on top of everything that you're paying for um Mm -hmm. i know that sometimes um people have agreements and they think oh if i can't pay this month it's fine i'll just pay them next month It's it's not it's not that much of a big deal but it really can be like i've had people on 60 70k salaries big deposits yeah i've had people on like 50 60k salaries and they have big deposits and just because they've had a missed payment on their phone contracts literally they didn't get the mortgage that they should have got so it's really important to just make sure you're staying on top of your bills and anything that's on your credit file that you're paying monthly for don't let silly 50, 60 pound a month direct debits affect your whole credit file. Would you say those like Klarna and Clearpay and Layby, whatever the hell they're called, really affect your credit score? Most definitely. And the reason I know that mm. is not because I, it's not just my opinion. I know this as a matter of fact. <laughs> and I'll tell you a little story. So when I applied for an American Express, um, I had to call up just to verify my details and stuff like that. And I just got into a weird conversation, random conversation with the guy who is in the underwriting team. And he was just talking about my credit file and we're just talking generally. He was, also, he was telling me that as a lender, that they actually view things like Klarna and Clearpay and Layby, they kind of look at them the same way that banks look at payday loans. So okay. imagine somebody who's applying for a payday loan because they're getting paid next week, but they need the money now. Klarna is pretty much the same thing. It's like you're paying for something, or well, they're paying for something, and you're saying, I'll pay you back when I have the money, you know? And it's funny because I actually have um one of my cousins who used to use Klarna a lot. And I used to tell him, bro, like, don't use it. Don't use it. You don't need it. You have the money. Why are you using it? 
And he was like, oh, but it doesn't come up on your credit file. It's fine. And I was like, okay, then. Do what you want. <laughs> but then, eventually, when we found out that information, he was like, bro, like, maybe that's why my credit isn't going up. I said to him, bruv, don't use it for, for a month, two months, and let's see what happens to your credit file. He didn't use it, and his credit file slowly started coming up. So even though Clara isn't doing a... It's not, it's not like a, a mad um, loan, like a 10 grand loan. It's still a check that's done in your file. And just because it doesn't show up, I feel as if people should still be aware of it and avoid it where they can. I'm triggered right now. I'm not going <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm so triggered because I don't use Klarna, but I use, I use Clearpay. But it's not yeah. even because I can't afford it. It's just because I'm just so like... Um, do you know what it is sometimes I buy a lot of clothes but like in bulk and sometimes I'm like oh do you know what am I a size 10 or am I size 12 today I don't know I'm putting a bit of weight in lockdown I'm like let me order like two of each and let me just see (laughs) and then I'll I'll, I'll and then I'll just I'll I'll pay for it on um, clear pay because I know that the whole payment's gonna come out and then whatever doesn't fit me I'm just gonna send back anyway so it's kind of just oh, yeah. like, well, I'm not losing out on all that. I'm not losing out, but you know when not a lot of money has been taken out of your account? That's more like why I do it, just because I'm like, I know that a few items that I'm buying is not really going to fit me right yeah. now. Or I'm going no, out, I want a few change. I want a few options. Um, yeah, you know what? It's like, it's like my brain is inside your head. Because that's exactly what I used to do. I used mm. to buy like three or four things, knowing I'm only keeping one, yeah. just so I can see what they look like in real life. And when I heard about this thing from the guy at the American Express, I was like, yo, this is mad. I've never, ever used Klarna ever since. But if you do want an alternative for that, I have, um, on my PayPal account, I have something called PayPal Credit. Is that and, good? Because I have seen that, but I was just yeah. like, anything credit, I'll try to run yeah. it from. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I have it, and I literally use it for exactly what you just said. Mm. It's literally just buy stuff, quick, click, 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 when you're like in a rush or whatever. And whoever I don't like and I return, it just goes back to the PayPal credit account. So it's never really you. That's just my own practice anyway, you know, so because I know it could be annoying to buy stuff with your own money and wait for your refund. And it's just it's just long winded. That's so uh, that's what I do. Refund process. Why is it so long? Can we all address like that? Seven days or something like <laughs> You took that money in seven seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Take the money out two seconds and I'm waiting like 14, 14 business days. It's to a get madness. Money it's a full on madness. Like they know what they're doing. They know yeah, what they're, they're really doing. Do. They're smart. They really, really do. But they need to relax with that. Actually, misguided. I'm gonna sing their praises right now because misguided. As soon as I do that, um, as the to you thing, um, as soon yeah. as I've registered it, misguided have sent me my money back straight away. Like, yeah. once I've scanned that, that barcode, that QR code, they've sent me back my money, like, the next day. Um, anyway, it's funny, my sister said that, you know. She said that she took something to the post office and literally within, like, an hour or two, apparently, they um they, they sent her money back when they, they processed her refund, so... And they're, they're, they're a bit brave with that because you don't know the condition that I've put that clothes back in the bag. Literally, I could have I just sent you back my old thing from, like, <laughs> from like last year. Exactly. It's actually crazy. So. Yeah, they, they are a bit crazy for that. But I'm guessing because they already have your card on file, maybe they can charge it again. I'm not too sure how that works. But yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any tips on how to build your credit score? Building? Yes. Okay. So it's a scenario, let's say you're somebody who, you know, 
has a low credit score and you want to increase it, um, I'm assuming that this person maybe hasn't had much debt in the past and they've never really, you know, had credit. I would say consider taking out a credit card. Um, um, ideally, a credit build, a credit card. I know they're offered by, like, your Capital Ones, Banquist offer it, um, MBNA, those sort of um, lenders. And whatever your credit limit is, let's say, for example, it's, I don't know, a thousand pounds, just use the credit card for your petrol, shopping, whatever, but only use 20 to 25% of your limit. Now, this is called like your credit utilization rate. This is whereby you're only using a small amount of the debts available to you. And from, from, from when I used to work in banking, the reason that um, that increases your credit is because if I'm an external lender and I'm looking at the usage of your credit card on your credit file and I see, okay, he has a, you know, he has access to a thousand pounds where he only uses 200 pounds a month. Mm-hmm. So he's using it, but he doesn't need it. And what organizations or banks, should I say, don't want to see is somebody who seems as if they are desperate for the money or they rely on that um, lending or that debt every single month to keep themselves afloat. Um, something like a credit card, it's not something that should be part of your needs. It's something that you can be you know, used here and there. So getting the credit card is definitely the biggest thing that I would say because I've advised that to quite a few people and the feedback that I've got from the improvements it's given them has been literally amazing. So that's the biggest tip that I'll give you if your credit isn't where you want it to be, but you want to increase it. And like I said earlier, just keep up with payments. You know, don't miss payments on your phone bill. Just keep your credit score clean. You know, the way that I kind of explain it to one of my friends is that if someone... If I've if, if I've lent somebody money and every time they say to me, yeah, um, CK, I'm going to pay you back on the first of the month. If they always pay me back on the first, the next time they want to lend money from me or if they want to lend from somebody else and that person comes to me and says, so-and-so has asked me for money, I'm going to say, yeah, he's good for it. Like, he always pays me back on time. That's how we need to look at a credit score and a credit report. Yeah. Mm. No, I agree with all those tips that you've just given as well. But yeah. for for someone that's got their credit rating unlocked to like a good standard and they feel like, you know, they've, they've saved for their, their deposit and they feel like they're ready for like the home buying process, do you have any kind of like insight into what would make a person unable to get a mortgage or unable to borrow um, a lot of money from a lender? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, two things income and affordability so i've had so many clients in the past that they have the 999 credit score they have the 80k salary the deposits healthy like they're literally in my office Mm -hmm. rubbing their hands together like yeah let's get it man let's let's do this but yeah things that can come into play are people's outgoings so a lot of people when they hear about mortgages the first thing they're told is you need a deposit they might be told you need 10 percent and they'll say, okay, let me get my 10%, let me get my 10%. But in getting that, they're not thinking about their actual outgoings and the state of their finances. And that is something that really does play a big part because when we look at mortgages and we do and we do a full application and decision in principle, it's not just, yep, he's got an income, yep, he's got a deposit, let's give him a mortgage. It's, yep, he's got an income, yep, he has a deposit, but what are his outgoings? And what lenders are going to do, they're going to deduct your outgoings from your income on their calculators, which is going to give them the actual figure as to what they're willing to lend you. 
So your outgoings actually play a big part, which is why I've said to a lot of people in the past that people have asked me a, a question to say, oh, um, I really want to buy a property, but I want to finance a car as well. What should I do? And the first thing I say to them is, well, if you go and buy that property and you have a car on finance, you need to remember that the bank is going to make a deduction as to how much they're going to lend you when they're actually looking mm-hmm. at your mortgage. Because in their eyes, you already have you know a, a debt that you have to uh, pay, something that you have to pay on a month-to-month basis for however much longer. So affordability is a, is a very key part of the mortgage process that I feel as if it doesn't get talked about enough. I can't agree with that like more like my the first time I ever went to a mortgage advisor um was I think about almost like two years ago now yeah and um my finances were different in terms of like how much I earn and also my um financial commitments every month were different and it was literally like last week I went back to my mortgage advisor again yeah um the difference is mad yeah, no, definitely. Like I've had like a, I've had like a few pay rises since the last time yeah. I went to um see my mortgage advisor, and also I do have a new car. Um, I do take my cars out on finance, so I do like PCP. Yeah. Um, but the difference it made was quite a lot. Um, unfortunately, with my car, it's something that. I can't really, well, I probably can control it, but I don't want to control it. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I, still want, I still want my car. I mean, I have made sacrifices. Like, it's not the car that particular, I did want. I did I did make a sacrifice with that. But again, it still comes up and it is still quite a big payment that yeah. the, mortgages, well, the mortgage lenders are are looking at when they're when they're telling me can I afford this much can I afford this much um so yeah I really do feel like if you don't need to take a car out on finance yeah and you are looking to buy a house you know don't exactly. and I mentioned this as well in my other episode with like Paul Roberts yeah um as well um we talked about the same thing like he was like yeah fight cars on finance just if you can avoid it avoid it but again it, it depends on where you're from because I was coming from the point of like I'm from Birmingham and transport is just a strong no oh, like really? obviously you can get around but where, where I live yeah I live in I live I technically live in a village like it's actually called a village oh, so hey. for me to get for me to get a bus into like Birmingham's like town centre yeah um it would take like every bus comes every half an hour and then it would take me like 35 to 45 minutes depending on traffic to actually get into there whereas if I drove it's 15 minutes okay yeah that makes sense (laughs) and then for me to walk to my closest train station it's taking me almost an hour you must know you're not living a tough life over there boy it's it's just not worth it like you know what I mean and I feel like a lot of my friends in Birmingham drive but then a lot of my friends like in London they don't have cars and if they do have car well if they do have a license they just use zip car because if they, whenever they want to use a card, it's there. Exactly, um, rather than just paying every month for something you don't use that much. Yeah, and I feel like you know we we get that we get that feeling like oh my god, like I'm this age, I need to have my driving license, which, which I think you should. I do feel like everyone should get their their license, but there's not that urgency for a car if you don't need it. Like think yeah. about the cost. Like you got petrol. It depends if like you get a car that's um over a certain age, you've got MOT to think about, you've got your servicing to think about, you've got insurance. If you take it on finance, you've got finance to think about. It's a lot. Like my car mm. takes a majority of my pay. 
No, it's true. And you know, it's funny because I used to be in that position where I used to look like, when you first get the car, it's like, yeah, I've got the car, like, you love it, it's all exciting. But I remember yeah. there were times when I used to have car finance where I'd be thinking, this car, man, I don't even like this car anymore. Like, it's just very <laughs> annoying. Like, I don't even want this stuff anymore. And it's jarring, yeah. especially those times where something happens to the car. Unless, say, for example, you might have to be you might have to fix it. I remember a time just before I went to Dubai, my car was in the garage for about three, four weeks. What? Because, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, something happened to the engine. And I remember being sat there one day on the central line on the way to Canary Wharf, and I was thinking, so I'm paying this car finance, and my car's just chilling in the next man's garage. Like, I was so angry. <laughs> That's when I said, nah, this car finance thing is long, man. Yeah, it it's really long. is long. But I do recommend taking that gap insurance. I know people don't like to Definitely. do that. But I I um, wrote off my car a month after getting it. And uh, which is typical of me. <laughs> I can't lie. Wow. Um, yeah, completely wrote Not getting off. the car for you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone says that. But I'm... I get set from A to B, okay? Depends. You might yeah. have to hold on a little bit, but, you know, I'll get you there from A to B. <laughs> but, Fair yeah, enough. like, with, with, with the gap insurance, I actually, um, I didn't pay a penny. Like, they just replaced my car. Um, I actually yeah. got the, 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 the new reg plate because I, I crashed it in August. And then in September, I think it was, like, the 66 came out. So then that's when I got the 66 plate. So I wasn't oh, minding. Cool. I, I didn't. And it barely affected my insurance um I was really shocked yeah. at that it only I'd probably say it could have gone down a little bit further but it wasn't anything like yeah. drastic um so yeah, no, gap insurance yeah. is key it is really literally because even even in March last year it was literally when lockdown had just started um first lockdown anyway literally went to Tesco and this woman smashed into the back of my car <laughs> and it was like boy I don't know what she was doing I don't think she knows what she was doing, but it was actually the gap insurance is what ended up clearing the finance and everything. So yeah, no, gap, yeah. gap insurance is, is definitely needed. Definitely needed. Hundred yeah. percent. Um, just as a quick little um, rounder, what would you yeah. say are the best tips for those who are looking to buy their first house and want to contact like a mortgage advisor? What would you recommend them to do? Would you recommend them to like? speak to a broker just to their bank to uh, a specific lender what would you advise them yeah so if I'm going to be very honest it's going to sound biased because I'm I'm, I'm from the broker world but see a broker um, and the reason mm-hmm. I say that is because two things it saves you a lot of time and it also gives you more of a personal touch and I'll explain those things so for those that don't understand when you see a broker it's like imagine when you are searching for your car insurance and compare the market. And you key in all your mm. details and then you click search and it gives you all the best rates that are available to you um, in the market of car insurance. That's what a broker can do for you. Um, a broker yeah. can actually look at the whole market at once, provided that he's under uh, under a network, that's whole of market. And it just saves you a lot of time because as you can imagine, you can speak to one person who will show you the best rate available for NatWest, Halifax and Barclays. Whereby, if you walked into NatWest, you can only see what NatWest have to offer. And if you do the application with NatWest and NatWest decline you, all of that, the whole two-hour meeting that you just did with NatWest, you have to go and do it elsewhere. And again, and again, until you find a lender that, that suits you. And 
even from a credit scoring point of view, if they are doing hard credit searches for their decision in principle and you keep on getting declined because you don't understand the bank's criteria, that's going to affect your credit score. Whereby, for example, when I was a broker, I would only ever credit search on customers when I knew what their requirements were and if I was sure that their requirements were in line with the criteria for the lender. So that's mm-hmm. that's something that's really key when um when we're going through the mortgage process. Of course, that's not everybody's reality. Some people do go into the bank and get accepted straight away and they can move forward. But the risk with that is you don't even know if you're getting the best rate because you've only spoken to one bank. So um that's why I'll say definitely see a broker overseeing a bank. And do you also recommend because I know that um a lot of people do get a little bit bamboozled by this but when they when they like put an offering for a house um a lot of estate agents will have their own like um mortgage advisors attached to their estate agent so would you advise to go independent or go with them because I know some of them do actually have like a little like broker service where they do have access but I'm aware that it is slightly more limited than like an independent broker Well, some of your listeners might hate me for this if they work in estate agents, but here we go. So estate agents, (laughs) estate agents benefits of you using their broker. So if you, if you go into an estate agent and they say, oh yeah, we have a broker, um, come and see our broker, blah, 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 blah. um, They benefit from that because for example, the first company I worked for was called um, Sequence Homes. Now those who live in London will know Sequence Homes as Barnard Marcus estate agents or Fox and Sons or Roger Platt. And um, if I saw somebody in the estate agency that came to buy a property with my branch, then the branch would make money from that as well. Whereby mm-hmm. if you buy with the branch but use the mortgage advisor elsewhere, the branch only makes money from the property purchase and not the yeah. financial services. So if anybody, this is actually a bit of advice, if anybody ever goes into an estate agency and they feel in any way pressured or forced to see a financial advisor from the estate agency, and let's say you're told something along the lines of, oh, you can only buy this property if you use our mortgage broker, just know that that is not correct. It's actually against the law. There's actually a, there's actually a word for that. I think it's called, um, it's like forceful selling. It's like you're forcing a customer to use a service, because I, I think... There's an estate agency that was actually on Watchdog for this a couple of years ago. <laughs> so um, mm-hmm. if, you, if you Google it, you will see this. But there's, there's a certain London estate agents that was on Watchdog because they were pitching to customers that, um, you know, in order to buy this property that you love so much, you have to use our broker, which isn't the case. So I would say just use whoever you're most comfortable with. If you're most comfortable with using the broker or the financial advisor in these agents then go ahead but if you have somebody else then just use them you know either way um, you're, you're still going to get your mortgage if you're seeing a good broker regardless so don't feel forced or pressured into having to use it just because they say you have to yeah I just want to touch on that as well because yeah. um, I brought it up for a reason as well because when I um first put an offer in um, on, on a house that I saw last year in July August time yeah. Um. There was a, a mortgage advisor that was attached to the estate agent, and 
he was on it straight away. He was just there like, yep, let's go. Let, let's get you, let's get you a mortgage. No, 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 no. He was being so lovely. Like I couldn't have asked for a better service yeah. at that time where I thought it was. And then my parents um, have a mortgage broker that they've used for like all their properties. So yeah. like, just talk to him as well. There's no harm in talking to them both. Yeah. But what I found was that the mortgage broker had such a wider um, network of different lenders that he yeah. could access and actually get me different deals. And he also um, was more transparent with me than the than the estate. No, than the what, what is it called? The mortgage advisor yeah. um, at the um, at the estate, estate agency yeah. branch. And then I started to find that the one at the estate agent, he was a, starting to get a little bit, not forceful, but like, yeah. hello, come on, like, are, are you go, you're going to go with this one? You're going to go with that yeah. one? And, yeah. And then he would also um, kind of mislead me on things um, mm. because they actually both found the same um the same lender, same lender yeah. that could um, actually, that was working with my affordability, that was actually offering 90% at the time, and that was really hard to find because we went through that little phase yeah. where getting that was like gold dust. Um, but one of them told me that the arrangement yeah. fee wasn't included in, in the mortgage, and uh, well, then the broker Got told you. me it wasn't included in the mortgage, but the other guy, he didn't mention that. And just little things yeah. like that, like knowing that I would have had to probably pay, like, I think it was like, one thousand something pounds, up yeah. front knowing that is is key like i need to know that that's a big payment yeah and um for you not to tell me that like it kind of already kind of shows me that you're kind of more in it just for the sale whereas yes. my mortgage broker was definitely like okay this is what you need to know um do you want to go with this if not you have to wait a little bit longer because right now that th you haven't got an option yeah so, yeah and i feel like that's the main thing it's like as, as a as a broker myself previously it's key that we actually build relationships with our clients and explain things mm -hmm. properly it's not just of course the money's great if, you, if you're good at what you do but as part of being good at what you do is explaining things properly to your client and making sure that when mm. they walk out of that building, I used to say the same thing to everyone. I used to say, when you leave this office today, I want you to know exactly what is going on, how it's going to happen and how it's going to benefit you. But you're also going to know the costs. And this is why I'm very big on people understanding the costs involved in a mortgage, because once again, you just pulled out the, the arrangement fee. That's something that a lot of people aren't aware of. Of course, you can either add it to the loan or pay it up front, but if that's not being explained to you, then you're kind of doing like a disservice, you know, to the client. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you really are because uh, I was like, uh, excuse me, what's this? Yeah, like, what's that? <laughs> like, what's <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, one person telling me, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all good. Another person yeah. saying, okay, I want one grand up front. And it's yeah. like, um, what? He was in it for, he was yeah. in it for the money. I was just in it for the money. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's sad because I can't even fault, like, his customer service. Like, it yeah. was great. Yeah. But um, you do see the difference of going someone that is detached from your situation. Yeah. That's just solely there just to help you find um your mortgage lender and stuff like that i mean don't get me wrong i do feel like sometimes you will you definitely pay for what you're for what you're getting as well because yeah. the the mortgage broker that we use in, in the family he is quite pricey i'm not gonna lie but yeah. i feel like he does his job and if we're asking for something he's on it that yesterday of course yeah, he's sharp yeah yeah, yeah very sharp oh, very good. thorough and um he doesn't beat around the bush
trust me, it's yeah. been quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best yeah. way, though, because it's, it's better to be fully I honest mean, rather than to sell a dream. Honestly, honestly, it's true. I, I like that. I like straight talking people. Just let me know what's going on. If you think I'm broke right now, just tell me I'm broke right now. <laughs> tell me I'm broke. <laughs> yeah, like, go back and save some more money. Like, this ain't the time for you. <laughs> like, I like I like things like that. So, um, so, yeah, it is important. But, yeah, just um, for, like, everyone listening as well, just not to feel like nervous in that in that stage of like approaching mortgage brokers um talk to talk to like a a few and just see who you get on the most with like you're not gonna get you're not gonna get charged for that so just just call up um yeah just call up and build a relationship see who you feel the most comfortable with and stuff like that um but just for the listeners and people that um i feel like everyone needs to follow your page anyway because yeah. i feel like you put so much valuable information and you also do a lot of different um interviews with different people like i know that you're on bbc the other day um so like how can people find you and do you have yeah. anything that's like upcoming that people need to know about yeah definitely so um thank you for that as well i really appreciate that you can find me at ck talks money on um, Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, Clubhouse as well. uh, Today is actually my first ever Clubhouse session. Um, I'm actually holding one with Savvy Wallet. On on your own? Like, actually hosting it yourself? Yeah, so me and... um, I'm not sure if you follow a page called Savvy Wallet, Atto. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, so me and Atto actually just got a few people together and we're running a session on discussions around money. So um, you can find me on there as well. Yeah, definitely. Listen, man, you're always welcome. Always welcome, mm. Hayley. So it's like, we are going to be doing that. And so, yeah, CK Talks Money on all platforms. Um, what do I have coming up? I have a lot coming up. It's a lot of, like, mortgage. I want my page to be a hub for mortgage application information. So anything that you need to know about applying for a mortgage, about the process, is going to be on my page. So just stay locked in. We have some really good lives coming as well. So don't miss out. And, yeah, man, yeah, we've got a couple of things coming. Um, I think I just want to say like one thing that I do like about your page and about the way that you give information, it's understandable. Like you don't talk in like Japanese where I have yeah. no idea what you talking about. <laughs> I really feel like you break things down for people. So yeah, if you're one of these people that like, you don't like going to, do you know, sometimes you have like really like corporate people and yeah. they just talk in such a jargon that you're just thinking, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. I feel like you really explain things in a, understandable way so yeah that's one of the reasons why i got you on here as well because you just talk sense so yeah everyone go check out his page and it's a shame that this isn't live yeah but we'll we'll do something live one day man don't worry we'll do something live one day yeah yeah yeah. because it's a shame that obviously people can't hear it now and then just jump on clubhouse tonight but hopefully you do more clubhouse rooms but yeah, that wraps up the episode for today. Um, big thank you for coming on today. I feel like everyone can take away lots of tips that you've given. So thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for having me. I like, and, I, and I like what you're doing as well. Keep sharing that good information, man. No, oh, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Succeeding. 